You're listening to the Hopped Up Network. The show you're about to listen to is part of the Hopped Up Network's growing family of craft beer podcasts in the U.S. and Canada. I think it's great. Find this show and others like it at hoppedupnetwork.com, the spot for informative and entertaining craft beer podcasts. I love it. I love you guys. You're listening to the Hopped Up Network. You're listening to the Pints and Provisions podcast with Evan, Mark, Ryan, and Dan. You're listening to the Pints and Provision Podcast with Evan, Mark, and Dan. Oh, I forgot to... I can't I would suspect not, but um, I, I see good waveforms. This will be a new experience with this. Welcome back, kids. Pints and Provisions. This is Evan. Ryan's here. Yep. It's just us two. Here over at Evan's having a little quiet night. It's kind of a crazy time for uh, most of us. Um, Mark was busy tonight. His Wednesday nights can sometimes be busy. And Dan says he's had a crazy week. I think his wife went back to work. After their uh, daughter was born, so it's a little bit wild in their house. They're getting used to the new normal. You're going to get used to a new normal soon. Wild in our house coming up. <laughs> yeah. It's that time of year. It's kind of getting a little bit crazy, <laughs> but for you, it'll be a big change. Uh, Ryan's expecting twins, him and his wife, so we're looking forward to hearing all about that when it happens. And I'm especially interested at what you end up popping, what you have saved to celebrate. I haven't decided yet. I'm sure you got like a list of a few things ready to go. Like, what did I think Dan? Didn't he take Prop 14 to the hospital? I think twice, both times, <laughs> both kids. Um, I remember we took like a mini bottle of champagne, thinking that you know we'd kind of share it. But my wife was so exhausted plus focused that it didn't even sound good to her. And I was like, I'm not popping this just for myself, and I don't think anything ever happened yeah part of me was thinking that i remember uh jason that we know up by dan he uh took i think a 2016 marshmallow hangy oh that's driver <laughs> yeah i'd see that so <laughs> typical yeah that sounds like him well it's good he's got a lot i always to pick see from. facebook posts there's people cracking good wines and champagne and stuff like that at the hospital and sharing it with visitors and whatever and i don't know yeah we'll i see i think it, i think if it uh if if the mood is right and people are ready to celebrate that way, great. Um, otherwise, do it when you get home. Yeah. Um, when I I I'd showed everybody this once, but you know we kind of wanted to talk about the old days. We'll get to the beers of the week in a second, but I just wanted to kind of stay on this train of thought. One of my very first Instagram posts, period, was the night before my first uh, first son was born, Tucker, and. This was now upcoming about seven years ago. We were living in Virginia, and that's when I was... I really kind of hit stride with craft beer. And I had a picture, and there were three beers. It was Allagash, um, four uh, four grains or something. It, basically, it's like four hops, four uh, four grains. I had Dogfish Head Tahanket, which was one of their ancient ales 
mirroring yeah, I don't some, know if I've ever had that one. Mirroring some Egyptian yep. sort of weird recipe. It was kind of really, you know, malty and 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 I'm trying to remember what the fourth one was. I, I know it was Noble Rot by Dogfish Head, okay. which was like their great must yep. style beer, and they were all in like bombers back then, like seven fifty okay. bomber sort of like <laughs> you drank those alone. <laughs> And then my wife woke me up, like in the middle of the night. <laughs> Time and, to go. Yeah, yeah. And he was born at six a.m. So uh, I would say that you know kids have sort of, you know, always have, have entered my. They entered my life at a time where craft beer was sort of taken off, which is especially in Virginia and out east. That was uh, a little ahead of the game from probably central Illinois and maybe a little bit more. Even you know, even yeah. Chicago and some of these areas that what what we're used to. So definitely, you didn't have side project that 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 time. Um, Three yeah. Floyd's was doing smaller things. Yeah, they're having you know their dark, didn't, dark Lord Day was a bottle release at the brewery. <laughs> probably nothing more. They had the event, but it was probably you know maybe a couple hundred people as opposed to eight or ten thousand or whatever they get now. And what I remember was. Probably the best bottle shop that I have, you know, always my first love in terms of the bottle shop. Because when I lived in Omaha, we had a lot of great options. But in terms of bottle shop, there wasn't a place that blew my mind. But out in Charlottesville, there was a place called Beer Run. Great place that we all went for, you know, pretty darn good food. Nothing fancy, but good sort of um, comfort food, Virginia comfort food. But it had great takeout in terms of beer and bottle selection and they had a great rotating bottle I uh, sorry uh, draft list and that's where I kind of really went crazy with trying a bunch of new stuff there were a good handful of breweries out in Virginia that were doing good things um, um, Star Hill Brewery which is a fairly big regional one out there there's Devil's Backbone which I think now is owned by AB InBev or one of their companies yeah or, something like that you know yeah, and, one of the and big ones whatever I mean they had such a cool little location um and don't forget, um, oh gosh, now I'm blanking completely. They have a, they now have a uh, a beer that you may have heard of, a Dark Hollow. It's like a bourbon barrel aged quad or something, but it's um, Maybe I, Blue Mountain I know Blue Mountain if, Brewery. Okay, um, but I might it was, know it if I saw the label. Yeah, but that was actually a semi known, you know, beer beyond its regional uh, area. But those were those were kind of the places that I just love to go to and all my friends love to go to them. So that was my biggest introduction. I even remember my wife going to beer run for when they released beers from dogfish had like one twenty minute, um, immort ale, uh, and some of those other one four pack per person or a couple of <laughs> one, bottles. Like, Oh yeah. The one twenty minutes yeah. or a bottle per person. Yep. And yeah, that was like, now I'm in it before it was like, okay, I'd love, a you know, regional local place in Omaha or a couple of good beers. A fat tire was always on the list, but this was like, all right, now I'm in it. The limited stuff that really just kind of is a flavor explosion. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Makes you really want more and more. And, and it was always kind still of keep stretching the limits a little bit. And it was always still hops, you know, IPAs, double IPAs, uh, session, uh, new England IPAs wasn't really a thing back then. Hazy IPAs nope. wasn't a thing. I mean, Hetty Topper was Hedy a Topper thing. Hetty Topper was probably the only one being But it made. was like, there was no way you were going to get it right. unless you were there or you knew somebody up there. You just weren't going to get it. Yep. Or knew the truck, where it was going. Exactly. When it was uh, arriving to your store and you could sit there and chase it and wait for it to unload. Yeah. Yeah. So 
in terms of that was uh, the first start for me. That was that was out there. Yeah, that was it was you know we talked about it before, but it was East Coast versus West Coast for IPAs back then, where East Coast had a lot more of a malt backbone, and then West Coast just really went to the IBU route and the um, a the little IBU bit more wars. of the, the IBU wars. Yeah, I mean with Stone Ruination and Pliny the Younger and other ones that I mean I guess Pliny the Elder too, um, but just really really up the hot bill. Uh, to kind of give you a, a citrus flavor explosion, yep. and uh, and then some combination of that formula um, and influence, obviously from the Alchemist with Hetty Topper, uh, yielded the New England style that kind of took away that malt backbone, but definitely took a lot from what the West Coast style was doing. Was just up in the flavors, up in you know forget what forget the bittering hops part of it but the flavoring part part of it they really just said hey we're going to take this to the next level so a yeah. few dry hop beers out there just really you know imparted a lot of new flavors that people really enjoyed and yeah it exploded from there really and and it was really like a dogfish head versus stone you know competition friendly competition absolutely yep and i've said this before but you know, Stone is always known for throw a ton of hops beginning, throw a ton of hops at the end. Yep. Where Dogfish had always uh, went by the philosophy of continuous, ti- continuous yep. you know, addition throughout the entire length of the boil. So it really produced two completely different beers, but sort of on the same, you know, wavelength in a way, just sort of parallel to each other. For sure. So what did we already drink? Um, it's over by you. It is the Black, Black Current Soak. By Trillium, I think it's probably around six percent. They come in really, really small bottles. I think it's three fifty milliliters, maybe three hundred milliliters. Eleven point two ounces, three thirty. So I picked that up when I was there last summer for a bachelor party. Uh, I think we talked about that a little bit. The uh, Apricot Soak was another one that uh, was released that same period of time. It's a really, really nice beer. <laughs> I mean, we talked about their Soak series a lot. That it's very underrated and. Obviously, you can only get it at Trillium. They don't distribute, but um, it is a heck. It's a heck of a beer, and, and they usually do four to eight per person, depending on the bottle size. And they seem to last a while. I think they're making a lot now, but they're oak aged and they're, you know, they're tart, but they're not overly no, they're, tart. They're really nicely. They're balanced. not side project tart. Definitely not side project tart. Um, not too pungent. So I think they do a great job with it, and easy one to split for kind of a lighter, lighter yeah. pour and lighter night on a uh, Wednesday in the bitter cold of January in the Midwest. It's not looking any better for the no, next week or so. It's <laughs> unbelievable. <laughs> the lows of next week, it's uh, Monday zero, Tuesday negative eight, I think, and Wednesday negative nine. More snow this weekend. And snow this weekend. We had an I mean, ice covering, just... two weekends of snow. The first one was pretty uh, significant. I drank a lot of cellared stouts that weekend because i wasn't getting out anywhere i had no ipas at all which is something shoveling you know an ipa is something like even when you're out in the the cold it's like i can crack an ipa put it in a yeti and just keep scooping or something like that but a stout (laughs) just didn't you know didn't feel like as refreshing but that's 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 what i enjoyed i had that uh you can see it on social media the bourbon barrel aged or the funky buddha one i'm Completely morning like, wood. Morning wood. Yeah, maple syrup, coffee. Such, I mean, if I would say that one of my favorite beers of the week might have been that one because a lot of times those coffee, maple, you know, maybe a little smoked um, smoked malt. Does it, that one has 
That's the barrel-aged version of their maple Ma- bacon um, coffee porter, yes, right? thank so you. So that is, it's maple ba- and bacon, too. It's and, probably a little faded on the barrel-aged version, and, and I don't. I think yours was a couple years aged, but... Yeah, it was. That maple bacon coffee porter, yeah. fresh, is but this, I was, super smoky from the bacon. I was amazed. Super sweet from the maple. Coffee's nice. Chocolate stout. But it, oh. but it all, like, it blended so well yeah. together. It wasn't like one adjunct was overpowering. It was a, the adjuncts were well balanced at this point. And sometimes with those, you'll get like the maple will fade off a ton or this, that, and the other will fade off a ton. But that was one of the more balanced adjunct ones with maple that I've had in a while. So it was, it was super enjoyable. I loved it. Yeah. I think mine is, uh, I'm just thinking over the last week, it's been kind of limited, but, uh, I had more brewing, uh, strawberry banana marbles. marbles. Uh, so their marbles. That's like their lactose fruit lactose. The milkshake IPA milk, is mid, their marble yeah. series. So I know they've done a strawberry one and a blueberry one. I think they've done a few others as well. Uh, the strawberry banana was terrific. That came out uh, two weeks ago, I think. And um, future brother-in-law Brett, who's a uh, friend of the show, he uh, sent one down with um, my wife's sister two weekends ago. So I was able to crack that finally watching some football on uh on Saturday, on Sunday, actually. Sunday, yeah, with great MLK Junior Day, it was the the Saturday and Sunday kind of flew in, uh, flowed into one another because I didn't have work on Monday. So. Yeah, but yeah, it was uh, yeah six and a half percent milkshake style IPA, um, just really flavorful. You know, kind of sits kind of heavy with all the lactose and everything in there, but it's uh, a pretty nice beer. Um, and a few other IPAs and and some lighter stuff. Uh, I've been into like Box and dunkles and stuff like that recently so it's been just kind it's of a, for, a more of the classic that. style it's maybe maybe it's because of the winter or whatever but i was uh telling a friend i said I, I i just feel like i'm gone way back in time in the beer world because I'm not, i haven't been drinking any of the the hype train type stuff and and all the haze craze or anything like that lately it's been a lot more just the classic styles darker but still kind of lighter when you compare it to a uh, hazy IPA or a, a, some of the big barrel aged stouts lately. So, no, those um, those New England IPAs can sometimes feel like a big loaf of bread in your that's right stomach when you drink them at this point. And I, I think that we're all trending towards more nuance, more flavor, or less ABV, less full bodied. Um, I spent my Saturday down at Bearded Owl helping them celebrate their first year anniversary so um, they had an all-day party that seemed like uh it, it was, was going all day it was a good time i was putting in a backsplash that seemed like <laughs> it was never ending with more and more work to do and, uh, and what planned to be a half day to to end up at bearded owl ended up being a much more full day of that's what you get for do it do yourself. it yourself home improvement <laughs> projects if and, you know if you've never done that <laughs> just always a lot for maybe you know it's like that times three rule it's like oh this will take me about five hours times three yeah um, Not even close. It was a great event, and it was a day that it was pretty cold. We just had another, like, three, four inches of snow. So it it was maybe a little bit, you know, you're not going to get people walking through the downtown Peoria area just popping in, but there were still a lot of good uh, followers, people that you'd normally see uh, down there and around Peoria celebrating craft beer. It was a pretty big day for Peoria Craft Beer because industry well, was celebrating their one year and uh, we did hang out with Brian the Brewer at Bearded Owl before you know they had their shindig but then Poor Brothers were also hosting 
the owners for White Rooster Farmhouse yeah, Ales at their place event, with a tap takeover. That started a little bit later, too. And So Mark and I were able to hang out with them a little bit. And I know you got there a yeah, little bit later I, I than we did. I missed you by maybe 10 minutes or something yeah. <laughs> for what the guys there said. But... Phil and Nate were having a good time. Robbie was having a good time. They had a really good crowd, and they did have and a good crowd. Some great beers on draft and White Rooster. Thank thanks to Chris for bringing some of their stuff down from uh, some howlers and yeah, and just bottles and stuff that they didn't have in in kegs to bring down separately. Uh, so they were just doing pours of that, kind of just sharing what they do. It was really cool. Um, I was only there for about twenty five minutes or so. Uh, weather was getting bad. I mean, it was, I mean, there wasn't, I think, wasn't a beautiful day. Yes. Yeah, roads weren't the greatest, a lot of snow. Um, but it was nice to get out there and have a couple of beers after I got done doing, doing some homework. Yeah. But, and uh, Chris there was a, he's a great, easy guy to talk to. One of the owners, his son-in-law is the, one of the head brewers or is the head brewer there. So it's kind of a little bit of a family affair down there in Sparta. So if you get a chance and you're in the St. Louis area, I think they're about 45 minutes or so. Yeah. Outside of St. Louis, kind of uh, near to an the hour. Carbondale, Illinois yeah. area is probably the main town. It's Southern Illinois Universities there. Um, that's probably the closest. It's kind of a farm town. That's what Chris was explaining. So yeah. there's not a lot. You know, it's a small, really, really small farm town, and yeah, they got a nice brewery there with a plot of land, and they do a lot of different stuff. And Scratch is right by, and we all and we've talked about what they're yeah. doing. A lot of different stuff, very um, earthy types of ingredients, and they've got the land and, and kind of the, the right part of the country to, to make that happen. It's just a testament to like their commitment. They don't, you know, they just kind of want to be doing what they like to do in the place that is home for them. And they don't have to run over to St. Louis. They don't have to even be in a larger area like right. Carbondale. They're just like, this is where we are. This yep. is who we are. And we're going to build make, it. They will come. We're going to make the beers that we like to make. Yep. And obviously they do it well. And their stuff, for the most part, is a little lighter. They do a lot of saisons and fruited things that, uh, I don't know, probably, I don't even know the ABVs on some of them that they had, but probably in that 4 to 6% range. Um, and I got to just mention this this, uh, this til- Tilquin goose that we're drinking um, that I got is as this a wine grape, red wine grape? an extra. Um, it's with uh, blackberries. Oh, blackberries. And uh, it's, uh, I don't even know how to pronounce this, but Oud, Oud Moor. Oud Marais, something like that, uh, Tilquin. Um, so it's their uh, traditional Belgian Lambic brewed with blackberries, the 2017-2018 uh, variety. So it's a 6.4% uh, spontaneously fermented Lambic, and it is uh, fermented with a combination of fresh fresh and frozen blackberries uh, blended with one, two, and three years of Lambic. We've talked about that a little bit before. Um, but it reaches a final concentration of fruits of three to 350 grams of fruit per liter metrics so that's a lot obviously yeah um it's actually really nicely balanced Mm -hmm. um it's really light you taste a lot i get a lot of goose on the on the front a lot of the initial taste is goose and the whole finish i get is that blackberry but it's a really really nice balance as it kind of fades from Dry, from the like from the dryness dry of the lambic, hay, dry wheat. Yeah, um, you know a lot of the fruited, whether it's a, a sour made in the U.S. or a lambic made in in Europe and Belgium, um, a lot of them are so heavily fruited, or just the way that they they age on the fruit or ferment or whatever, uh, you don't get as you know in a good way. Oftentimes, you get a lot of that just really really great fruit, 
and not a ton of lambic. And this is just like perfectly balanced. Yeah, it's it's much between, more balanced than between what you both usually of them. Taste. Yeah, some of them are so overly goose that <laughs> some of those cantillons can be so so very traditional. Yeah, and that's the way they want to make yep. it. And I don't think there's a problem with that. But if you're if you're someone who, if you're someone who's not really totally totally into dry hay and farm farmhouse barnyard kind of you know funk, then you know this could be a much more pleasant and appealing. This is nice more balanced with especially with the fruit yeah and i had i think i got some jester kings in the mail or i got some sours in the mail from someone and uh he just said he was going to send an extra that he got i think this hit distribution on the east coast a little bit so maybe it was trillium i don't remember what what i what i got with this but is this traditionally is this belgian yeah Tilquin is uh after the big two, uh, Dre Fontaine and, and Cantillon, I would say Tilquin's yeah. probably the next big one. But um, from a hype standpoint and everything else, I think they're way, way, way on a separate tier. A lot of their stuff gets distributed too, so it's not as rare and people don't chase it as much. But Imported by 12%, so they're not imported by the Shelton Brothers. Right. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if Shelton Brothers do Tilquin or not. But... Uh, this is the first one I've actually had from this brewery. I've never had yeah, anything by them. Right. Um, it's it's terrific. But uh, I know that we don't have a ton of time, so I was just going to say kind of my initial craft beer start uh, story. It's <laughs> doesn't involve babies or anything like that or that kind of time frame, but it's probably a little later. Um, but as as you know, I don't know if we mentioned on the on the the podcast before, but uh, I've spent quite a few days seeing the band fish gone to a lot of fish concerts and especially especially in the summertime yeah there's people selling all sorts of vendors and stuff and you know in 2009 10 maybe a little bit in 11 um i mean the only thing you could find going to see a fish show in the parking lot was an ipa like that's all the people were selling for beer in the parking lot sure and so mostly it was Sierra Nevada, um, but it was always craft beer. It was always just kind of like a unique thing to go in to see concerts and go into sporting events and stuff like that because we didn't have a huge uh, huge craft beer scene in central Illinois. No. So I would say through going to those and getting more exposed to IPAs and Sierra Nevada and probably just different random ones throughout um, – I would say that like throughout the Southeast and the Northeast, uh, depending on where I was seeing some concerts at, uh, just kind of got me exposed to it. And so that's really what drew me into just buying more IPAs on the shelf and things like that in town. And if I would go to Chicago or something else, just kind of reaching out and just trying different things. And then the big shift for me was, uh, I think it was January of 2012, seeing a $23 six pack on the shelf. <laughs> Blow your mind. And I said, all right, if it's this expensive, it's got to be good. <laughs> and it's a double IPA with honey. It's 10%. I said, I got to give it a try. And so I grabbed it. I said, it was Bell's Hop, hop Slam. Hop Slam. I yep. was just going to say that sounds with honey so as a Bell's Hop, hop slam. slam. And I took that back and I probably drank it over a couple of weeks because I figured out really quickly that a 10% <laughs> beer catches up to you pretty fast. So, um, so I didn't drink yeah. all six that quickly, but um, the next year they sold out like 
immediately. I think they had a waiting list for it. So this was the last year that it just actually sat on the shelf for a couple of days. Mm -hmm. And um, I think from there on, I, I was just like, wow. I was like, the really good stuff is really good. Yeah. And obviously, Bells is off the hype train these days. It was on for, you know, probably three or four years. And everyone's transitioned away from it and uh, New England style and other stuff. But um, it's still, they still make good beer. And Oh, my gosh. Like, I bought that six-pack of Two-Hearted, and it's just, it's like Sierra Nevada. It just takes you immediately back to... Absolutely. This was when I really fell in love with a real IPA. Yep. And so... uh that's really the big thing, but I transitioned. I got a. I found a trading buddy through fantasy baseball that lived in San Francisco, so I would send him some stuff in Central Illinois and some Three Floyds, and he would send Pliny and Blind Pig from Russian River, a few other local stuff from them, and we just kind of do that uh, every couple of months or so, and kind of took off from there. So, but Hop Slam, that's really the big one. I just remember. Sierra Nevada and a couple other random IPAs around the country. And then that purchase of Hop Slam just really blew my mind and kind of led me to really, really try to expand my horizons and try this whole new thing that was kind of hitting the scene. And maybe I was a little bit early, you know, a little bit after you, but, you know, I think everything really blew up probably in 2014 and 15 would be my opinion. So I was maybe a, a year or so ahead of the curve, but. Um, Isn't it kind of like, you know, 2012 kind of kind of is considered that sort of, you, you know, um, fulcrum year? Probably. Where, yeah. I mean, people, especially us back then, probably were a year or two behind because, let's see, that was... I mean, the curve was rising quickly either way. I mean, you right. probably talk about it from 19, late, nine, late 90s or even mid-2000s on. The, the craft beer curve was rising fast but it was just at such a low starting point that a little bit of movement you know a 20 percent increase only takes it from uh you know one percent of the uh, population to 1.2 percent drinking it yeah i mean um i did work at a small microbrewery in omaha before i started medical school and that really was that was 2008 2009 uh no i'm sorry that was uh that was mid-2000s and that was before it really started to take off, but it was starting. But yeah. I think it took me a while. I mean, I still love their stuff, but it, you know, I, I it wasn't like it was an obsession like it got to be when I was yeah. out in Virginia. I mean, because um, people probably start chasing the stuff in 2012, 13, going to some of the big name breweries, like making those beercation type trips for Dark Lord Day. And yeah. um, I don't know if the Extreme Beer Fest in Boston took place then, but people, you know, traveling to San Francisco to visit Russian River and, and things of that nature were taking place. Yep. Um, and then in 14 and 15 is when it was like the brewery and craft brewery type of business kind of replaced your neighborhood pub. Yep. You know, especially in most uh, city environments, like the pubs have kind of shifted into brew your own beer and have that style of uh, of a business as opposed to just the, the, the pub that has good beer. But Obviously, in Chicago and other big metropolitan areas, there's plenty of places that are still the pub that have really good draft beer and yeah, keep that going. But that the the you know cities that have twenty, thirty, forty craft breweries now just didn't exist before you know twenty fourteen or twenty thirteen. You know maybe that's where San Diego and Grand Rapids were probably one of the two of the the rare rare places out there that really had a beer scene. But 
Yeah. Now it's are, you know now it's everywhere. And those people were the were very different people than us. Yeah. Uh, in terms of demographics, that were probably the ones that had always been in it. The Michael Jackson, you know, uh, era, the Michael Jackson followers. Um, so that was, uh, you know, a big transition period. For sure. Um, so the last one we'll kind of sip on uh, would be the, I'd, I'd posted a picture of this. This is just such a kind of simple. the same one or a different? Yeah, yeah I got, okay. I, yep, the same one. It is the Suarez Family Brewery, which is out in Livingston, New York. I think it's basically out in the middle of nowhere. You know, think like Hill Farmstead, kind of middle of nowhere. But this is kind of their blended series. So they even admitted that they kind of don't even remember, you know, a few specifics about this. But, you know, they just keep blending and blending and blending. And they call it a country beer. They call it their oak-aged country beer or oak-ripened country beer. Um, It's just kind of simple, very smooth. I think it has a lot of good, smooth, velvety mouthfeel. I think it's the kind of beer where this... uh, you know, it's a small format bottle, so it's a 500 ml. You know, you can easily just, you know, crush this after work and you're good. Yeah, you Livingston's... Uh, middle of nowhere? Not really. <laughs> New York's a lot more populated in those small towns than Illinois is, but still, yeah. I mean, Albany's to the north a little bit and Albany's not a very huge city and it's I, I assume that's probably about three hours north of New York where Livingston is, so it's uh, definitely... Definitely out there. I just don't think it's, it doesn't, it's not a, it's not a mind blowing beer. It's just a very enjoyable beer. I, I don't know. It's just, it kind of doesn't have a lot of dimension to it, but I think that's why it's so it's good. It's got a nice, nice nose to it. Yeah. But I don't, you know, you'll, you'll taste it. And, and at least my opinion is it isn't overly complex. It's very, two-dimensional it's got yeah. a good nose got a good mouthfeel and it does have a good mouthfeel what's the abv on this did you say i want to say it's like 5.4 okay wow so it's pretty light it's very light it's that is an easy drinker yeah it's crisp and my mom the artist really loved the uh the artwork on the bottle yep. i think it's a, a really cool bottle it's very uh very thoughtful that's adding to the character of the beer as well these days. There's so much work being put into labels and everything, and even the uh, the material of the labels, too. Yeah, kind like of that this. matte. I don't know. Matte is probably not the right word, but it's got a texture to it. Some kind of woody, thicker paper. Yep. That's, uh, the, the papyrus. You know, you get yep. those papyrus brand uh, greeting cards, and you look like a baller when you show up at a, you know, you bring that to a birthday party or something or give that as a card. You're like, yeah. This guy knows his cards. He's got good paper. It's like a quarter of an inch thick card to give out. <laughs> it's like twice as much on postage. Right. Oh, yeah. One stamp doesn't cut it. Yeah, this is great. I mean, it's got a lot of good, got a lot of good um, carb on it, too. Definitely. Perfect, like smooth carb, not it tingles. It's it's good. I'd If I had a case of this, I wouldn't have a problem enjoying one of these a couple of these a week yeah and it would never get old yeah but yeah, that's why i think sometimes going simple get home from work and just crack this and drink it let it warm up let it evolve a this little bit this is like a lunch beer in france yeah no exactly <laughs> you know, where, it's not, where it's socially acceptable sure to have a drink sure you know if you if 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 yeah this would be considered like your this would be sitting on the table at a brasserie and in, uh, oh, in in a small absolutely. town in france and you would 
you'd have this and go back to work and you'd be raring to go. Have like six ounces, eight ounce pour. It's like a good cup of coffee. Yeah. Just get you going. Yeah. Suarez Family Brewery. Yeah, this is this is great stuff. Do they make anything fruited? Or is it are they really just getting going? Do you know much? Um I don't know a ton about their brewery. Okay. I think I've heard that, very little. I've heard a little bit of them, but not much. So I just I think they focus on a lot of you know, small batch, spontaneous, mixed culture terrific. fermentation stuff, lagers, things like that. So they're they're speaking to a very specific crowd. Let's Absolutely. just say that. Yep. Awesome. All right, man. Well, I know Ryan. We Ryan still need count- a, we still need a bourbon uh, a bourbon blind tasting night. <laughs> I know, and the countdown's on for uh, <laughs> for Ryan. But um, big event tomorrow night. Mark and I will go support. Um, Pints and Provisions is putting out some support for this uh, organization at the Peoria Playhouse, which is the Children's Museum. So by the time anybody listens to this, that'll be over. So hopefully that's a you know there's uh, there's a lot of good breweries. Triptic, Half Acre. Monkish, <laughs> well, Russian River. Yeah, and I'm talking about the beers there to drink. Uh, Distill's there. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, Distill, Triptych, um, Half Acre. Um, a handful of the local places in town are going to do some whiskey drinks. It's become a really, really good event. It's fun, yeah. um, especially if you get kids and you take your kids to the playhouse. This is a good way to support it. It's a pretty low-key. No one's wearing suits, ties. It's pretty casual. There's good food. There's good stuff to bid on. And... Um, you know, my wife has been involved with it, so I've been we've been big supporters of it. It's a great place. So hopefully, raising some good money for some craft beer that we uh, yeah we got involved to the podcast, and yeah. thanks to Martinez, some of our listeners who uh, who helped get us some, and yeah, and definitely it's Mark really, and it's yeah, and Mark for the, contributing the, good, the bottle. The good generous room. community uh, helped helped. Uh, yeah, even bring even some of yeah, stuff especially to Peoria those guys on short for, notice and for, everything else. So for it's, a thing that they don't even know about or support, but definitely you know they're willing to support it. So. Yeah, it should be fun. So awesome. Well, well, good luck with stay that. Stay warm this weekend. Absolutely. <laughs> Hopefully, don't get too much snow and yeah, stock not up. too much time and negative temperatures and all that fun stuff. But we'll go from there. Right on. All, all right. right, cheers, everybody. Yep, cheers.